The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements, so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com yahoo fantasy football forecast what's your favorite route to run i don't know you have turn take on the seat i'm not playing in your league unless i can draft myself <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to facing your mom at some point with matt Harmon. it seems like you know ball the way you talk so <laughs> thank you someone clip that because i know there's some guys who are like oh no you know i'm, I'm sticking to my diet well i'm going to play it I'm going to plan to make sure that I have a plate. It's Tuesday, December 20th, and I hope you all are still alive in your fantasy football playoffs after a interesting, rough week. I know I barely survived uh, in a few, uh, so I'm feeling pretty good. Andy Barons is here with me as always, the king of keeper leagues, Andy Barons. I got to say, I don't know. That title is like... That feel that you know what that feels like a, a week week sixteen title like a, you know what <laughs> we got to keep this bit going for a couple more pods because of these waiver things let's just throw Andy a title king of keeper leagues Andy Barons what's going on buddy uh, I'm I made a lot of bad choices this past weekend uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna survive in a few places but I'm probably not gonna survive my bad choices in other places so we'll see things are good um, they've they've been worse going into the playoff semis so I'm doing I'm doing okay. What were some of your, yeah, you're king. I mean, that's pretty great. But what were some of your bad choices? Um, Scott Pianowski made sure to publicly flog himself continually for, not for his own choices, but for um, recommending to not play Ramondre Stevenson, which I thought he was, as usual, way too hard on himself uh, for that one. But what were some of your bad choices, Andy? I'm, I'm dying to know. Um, I've got a, I've got a dynasty league in which I'm just, I'm tied to DJ Moore, uh, much like the, the Panthers themselves or whoever they trade his contract to, uh, are tied to him for, I don't know, like three years, something like that. Um, and he's obviously great, but I, I had, we literally talked about this on fantasy football live. Like I find him 
I found him unplayable coming into this past yeah. week. And had I played him in like my favorite league, I I could rest easy to like where we're recording this ahead of the Monday night game. And I would just be able to like cruise through the Monday night game. And there's, uh, there's almost no way I could be caught, but now I've, I've kind of exposed myself there and I might lose with a team that I really like. And I sat him in another playoff matchup too, where I'm definitely going to lose. And like, I don't know, how could you trust him? There'd been, yeah, like four out of his previous five games, he hadn't even reached 30 receiving yards. Again, not his fault. They were choosing not to throw. They just wanted to feed uh, Foreman and, and Hubbard and anybody else uh, in the in the running back room. So I found him unplayable. That was really bad. Um, I sat Trevor Lawrence somewhere. That was really bad. I don't know. I, I might have I might have started somebody that anybody would have started ahead of him. But man, I, sh- I should just be a flat out believer in Trevor Lawrence at this point um, and, and just roll with it. We'll talk a little bit about the Jags, thanks to a piece of news item. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, Trevor Lawrence looks incredible. I'm feeling all right about my all my choices, pretty much. Um, you know, can't can't be too upset at myself. Uh, the only thing I'm a little concerned about is, and this is my favorite thing to do, is talk about a game that hasn't happened yet. But if Christian Watson drops like a heater tonight, I might I might go down in a league I really really care about. Uh, so that that would be that would be troublesome. But uh, you will know. But you will know how I'm feeling. <laughs> on Tuesday as you're hearing this based on what happened on Monday night, which I love. Yeah, I'm going into one of those Monday night games where like nothing good can happen for me. I'm, I might have the Packers defense playing somewhere that well, I think I've already got that locked up. But like everywhere else, I'm just going up against individual Packers players who might who might run me out of a playoff matchup, which I'm mad about. The other thing that I screwed up this week is I, I keep convincing myself that whichever sketchy defense is playing the Texans is going to be a great defensive play. And then they're just not. So like, so like I started the chiefs defense ahead of, I don't know, almost everybody. And, um, that's going to blow up on me somewhere. Hey, the Texans are, they're fighting, man. They are frisky. They're down to like Royce Freeman, Chris Moore, um, a QB tandem. And yet look at them taking the, taking the friggin' chiefs to overtime. I was going to say the best part about this little weird stretch for for the Texans here where they've taken the Chiefs to the overtime, they've taken the Cowboys to the brink there in back-to-back weeks is that they've done it without any uh, of their good players, yeah. you know, quote unquote, yeah. in in like that we care about in fantasy, like Damian Pierce on IR now, Nico Collins been out, Brandon Cooks. Is he does he even ever show up at the locker room at this point? Like they I mean, is he <laughs> is he even around the facility? Who knows? Like uh, you know, it's it's hilarious that like they've given these two good playoff teams a ton of trouble in back to back weeks and it's been with like the goofball squad of Jeff Driscoll and, and Chris Moore and and I mean Royce Freeman, give me a break. Often, often when a team does this, you can, you know, at the end of the season, a bad team like the Texans, you can say, oh, well, they're they're really they've they this is something to build on. This isn't even anything to build on because none of these guys are going to play for the Texans next year. Like, wh- what are we even doing? I mean, shoot, like we don't even know if Lovey Smith is going to be back there next year. They, <laughs> they might go one and done with coaches and back back years. Yeah. Which I'm not sure has ever happened in NFL history and des- <laughs> deserves a discussion. We won't have that discussion here on the show, but we do have a lot to discuss today. Got to recap Sunday Night Football. We got to get through a bunch of waiver guys that might be able to help you in your playoff push. But first, let's get into the news, starting with, oh, hate to see this one. Jonathan Taylor has a high ankle sprain. It's unlikely he plays again this season for the four-win Indianapolis Colts. That's according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. You know, it's funny. We actually thought uh, we thought Jonathan Taylor might get shut down like two months ago, right? Because the Colts were going into the tank. Well, he's officially now most likely going to get shut down, uh, which is unfortunate. And, and I mean, man. 
what a backbreaker for for teams with Jonathan Taylor to have him leave that game so quickly. Yeah, um, a lot of directions we can go with this conversation. The first thing that occurs to me, though, is that, man, you want to talk about a set of circumstances that would have led to Jonathan Taylor having like a 220 yard game. Um, he got it. He got it against uh, Minnesota. Like you go up five scores, whatever the score, 33 to nothing, whatever it was that that was going to be the Jonathan Taylor game. That was going to be like the guy who's like kind of quiet all season, who just absolutely erupts in a in a a monumental way and and it didn't happen obviously um they, they replace him with zach moss and Deion jackson two guys that we're going to talk about a little bit in pickups not that i can imagine actually playing them in a meaningful playoff matchup um and just they they obviously they don't have the juice that taylor does um moss in particular is just kind of a you know if you block it he might get it um sort of Light. sort of back but he's he's not gonna not, he's not a breakaway guy right like he's not gonna house anything you have to imagine the Colts win that game if they're just able to feed Jonathan Taylor for for yeah. most of the proceedings right like it's just I don't know is it's, it's really painful I have also heard some analysis analysis is maybe a little generous of of Taylor's season I get that it's a disappointment to people and that he didn't, you know, he didn't score 18 touchdowns, 20 touchdowns, whatever. But like, like he was still averaging 99 scrimmage yards per game and he was fine. He played through some stuff. If you remember back to September, like he came out of the gates looking like the number one pick. And I've heard some conversation about like where he should be taken next year. And I, I just feel like it's there's kind of this emotional reaction that, oh, he's got to go outside the top five running backs. No way am I getting burned like this again. Well, this is that is exactly the kind of stuff that people were saying about McCaffrey. And now McCaffrey was the, you know, in hindsight, possibly should have been your number one overall pick. Right. Like Jonathan Taylor's really really good and they've only got to figure out a couple of little things for him to be like even even without fully repairing this offensive line even if they don't have a perfect quarterback situation last year again Jonathan Taylor was averaging 99 scrimmage yards per game like he's he's fine he's good yeah it is unfortunate he's going to miss uh the rest of the season for for this team they get the Chargers the Giants and the Texans I mean there's no there's no be- more beautiful stretch for him to clean up like anything that went wrong this season and end on like a beautiful high and and I'm with you that they probably win that game against the Vikings they're probably able to close it out a little more successfully not that I trust the Colts you know as far as I can throw the entire operation um like because just come on man we, there's a lot going on there so maybe they could have messed it up even with Jonathan Taylor there but yeah, have a good chance to close that game out. He could have crushed these last three matchups, but I'm 100% with you. I mean, what are we do- like what are we doing, right? Do we have to do this every year where we overreact to the thing that happened before? Yeah. I don't I don't think that I don't think that you were an idiot if you took Jonathan Taylor number 1 overall, even though I thought like the idea that oh, he's so safe cuz he's never missed a practice, like and I'm not ta- I sure as hell I'm not taking McCaffrey, guys always hurt, and now yeah. like the results have played out in the complete opposite direction here. And obviously like and I've got McCaffrey on, on my two teams that played this weekend. Like I know in my heart of hearts that as my, well one's a dynasty team so whatever, but the one I took like McCaffrey second or third overall or something. I know in my heart of hearts that I probably am not in this position if he doesn't get traded to San Francisco. So I'm not trying, I'm definitely not trying to victory lap right. on Christian McCaffrey right. either. Um, it's just, I think both of those guys were perfectly right answers coming into the season at the number one overall pick. I mean, shoot, even if you took a wide receiver like Justin Jefferson, you were probably right to do that. If you took Cooper cup prior to the injury, you were right to do that. Like, I don't think it was bad process to land on either of those two running backs at the top overall pick. And 
I, yep. I mean, really? Like, obviously, this is contingent on the Colts kind of figuring their stuff out, which there's, a, <laughs> again, a lot to figure out for the Indianapolis Colts. But I can't imagine, like, the glaring flaw in Jonathan Taylor's profile where I have to rank him outside the top five backs next year. That seems silly. Right, right. He's coming off a season in which he led the league in like everything we care about in fantasy too, right? So like I, I get that you're not gonna pile up year after year after year like that, but he he has already established himself as being capable of, you know, two thousand scrimmage yards, leading the league in touchdowns. Like he he still has that kind of upside. He carries that kind of upside into next year. You don't have to you don't have to make him the first back on the board. In fact, I would I would say there's a pretty good chance that, yeah, I don't know if we had to draft a 2023 fantasy league right now. I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have Justin Jefferson at the at the top of the board. Haven't been able to say that in a while about a about a wide receiver, but I'm pretty sure I would. What's when's the likelihood that we're getting the, um, you know, assignment that we have to do like a 2023 mock draft, 2023 too early rankings, whatever like that. I mean, top five backs right now are Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley. I mean, every fantasy analyst is going to tell you, you can't draft. You can't draft Derrick Henry next year. You know, you can't do it just <laughs> yeah. like just like they said yeah. it this year. Right. So um, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't imagine myself like not considering Jonathan Taylor in that group there. So, yeah. That's uh, that's a little silly to, to already be in that spot there. But it is unfortunate for the Colts, who, like I said, have a pretty easy schedule. Um, Easy-ish, right? I mean, the Giants and the Chargers are playoff teams. The Texans are frisky. But, like, these guys for this team could be decent the rest of the way. It's just, my God, it's just, it's such a strange and debilitating offense with that offensive line with Matt Ryan. Yeah. I mean... I, I had a lot of hope for Michael Pittman, and he and he had ten catches. He had fourteen targets, but he also had like a bunch of rushing yards. And it was, it was such a weird, weird game. And then Alec Pierce even just blanked nothing, nothing against the Vikings secondary. So what a weird operation the Indianapolis Colts are. Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is, this is just a sad way for Matt Ryan's career to wind down. By the way, I don't I don't know how much time he has left in the NFL, but he's he's had a legitimately great career. And like peak Matt Ryan was a really good quarterback, and he's just. He's going to be known for stuff like this now, and that and that makes me sad. Um, Andy, I'll give you uh, my thought on how much time Matt Ryan's got left in the NFL. About three <laughs> weeks, pal. About three weeks. <laughs> yep, yep, that sounds right, give or take. Uh, stay, staying in the AFC South here, Jaguars left tackle Cam Robinson is out for the season with a torn meniscus. I wanted to talk about this. I mean, you know, we say offensive line injuries, like how much does it move the needle? We can't. It's more difficult to quantify than like, okay, John Taylor goes out. It's some sort of boost to Deion Jackson, some sort of boost to, um, you know, Zach Moss. But uh, with the offensive line, it's a little bit harder to quantify. Right. Uh, but Jacksonville is rolling right now, man. I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you just talked about it. I think the I wrote in my recap piece that the mark of a teammate elevator or, I blew that. I mean, just absolutely blew that. The mark of a great quarterback is being a teammate elevator. And, like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Evan Ingram, your guy, or disrespectful to, <laughs> say, Jones, uh, Fantasy Twitter's guy. Yeah. But, like, these guys are not premier players of the position. They, they've never been consistent high-end starters. But they are, like, isn't Zay Jones a top 20 receiver on the season? Like, Evan Ingram, obviously, a lot of it came in one game, but is a top tight end on the season. You know, Christian Kirk has been great all season long. Like Trevor Lawrence is elevating these guys right now, and this yeah. I do think is is a little bit of um, a hiccup to lose your starting left tackle as you're trying to make a playoff push. By the way, yeah, and ahead of a you know a Thursday matchup with a with a really good defense too, right? So they've got yes, the, they've got the Jets on deck. Um, that that's tough. I 
I don't like this is such a weird thing to say, but I'm not I, like, how do you set J- Zay Jones right, <laughs> right now? Like he's I know he's just getting fed constantly. Um, same same is true of Ingram, actually, over the last couple of weeks. Um, man, the tight end position is so bad that like I don't even I'm not looking at the tight end, uh, you know, year to date scoring leaders right now. But is he top five? Is he top six? He must be right. Like he's got to be. He's got to be closing in on like top five. He's tight end four. The... Evan yeah. Ingram is t- is tight end four, man. I mean, and and nobody from tonight's game, the Rams or the Packers, is going to pass yeah. him. So yeah, he he's a top four tight end right now. I mean, he's going to finish the season as like a as like a top five fantasy tight end, and that is just going to be uh, you know cre- credit to him because he had some he had some summer buzz uh, among the the you know Jaguars beat reporters, and he's he's been working hard to to sort of build off his Giants experience, but also total indictment of the tight end position that Evan Ingram is going to finish as a top five guy. Um, but Lawrence has been great. And we, we've seen, you know, the other thing I always think about with Lawrence is what a what a thrilling um, runner he was at Clemson. And we've seen flashes of it. We've seen it occasionally near the goal line, um, but they haven't even really unlocked that aspect to his game. Who knows? Maybe maybe we never see it to a great extent. But like that's a guy who if you wanted to if you wanted to design an offense around his ability to run the football could also give us 500 rushing yards a year. Like I just, I just think he's a, a wonderful talent and uh, it, it has been fun to particularly in the back half of this season to watch how well he's played. Yeah. Uh, coming back to the Zay Jones thing, like some of these passes, he, he layers into to Zay Jones, like his touchdown uh, on the slant route in the, in the red zone was, or near the goal line was incredible. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the pass he threw in there to Zay Jones, incredible. And um, the thing for me with Trevor Lawrence is that I think he kind of, especially as a rookie succeeded in like the quiet stuff. Like I talked about it last night with the way he avoids sacks, the way he kind of, uh, I mean, he makes, he's made his fair share of boneheaded, like, mistakes toward the end of of games and stuff like that but i just think he he again he succeeded in kind of the quiet way sort of almost you know and a guy like a guy like matt ryan who has never been like the most thrilling player from like a rushing perspective obviously but even from like a arm strength perspective creating out of structure stuff like that but like that throw to zay jones where he dusted kelvin joseph uh on the double move there and like that is impressive enough, the Zay Jones part of it. But then you watch like Trevor Lawrence booting out of the pocket, throwing it on the move, and just I mean ripping it to Zay Jones down the field. That's the stuff we haven't seen from Trevor Lawrence to this point. Where now, like that's again, that's the type of teammate elevating, situational transcendent type of stuff that can push Lawrence into being considered sort of along with guys like Joe Burrow, along like with guys like Justin Herbert in the non-Patrick Mahomes like great quarter non and I would put Josh I still in a weird way I don't I, I don't I think Mahomes is in a tier to himself among quarterbacks and I think Josh Allen's sort of like in his own tier there above all these other guys but I'm very very biased towards Josh Allen as a player just because I think he's my favorite quarterback in the league but the guys after that that bucket after that you know I think Jalen Hurts is in that bucket now at this point too like if Lawrence is going to get into that group of guys those type of players are going to be the reason why yeah Lawrence can definitely get himself into that group of guys. Obviously, he's got he's got Calvin Ridley waiting for him next year. That's pretty exciting. So, some of this is also just a reflection of like how, <laughs> like, well, well, we'll never. I was going to say we we'll, we forget it, but we've we're never going to forget the Urban Meyer experience, right? Like the coaching no, environment cannot. last year no. was just such a show. And I know I harped on it a lot last year, but I I have rarely seen a team where like 
two receivers arrived at the same spot at the same time as the ball arrived, <laughs> like the like the Jacksonville Jaguars of 2021. Nothing made sense. Um, nothing was in concert. Like it, it, everything, it wasn't just the off the field stuff. It was the on the field stuff was so was so miserable. So um, to see him completely pivot away from that and and really like I, I think it's pretty clear that he can wind up. I don't know. He may go into next season. Uh, depending depending on how they finish up uh, in in these last three weeks, he might go into next season with all of us thinking of him as a as a plausible like top eight fantasy quarterback next year, certainly top ten fantasy quarterback next year, and somebody who's already sort of arrived at the at the fringes of the tier of of player that you're talking about. Next one up here, Jets head coach Robert Sala told reporters that uh, Mike White still has, quote, a lot of hurdles uh, to be able to play uh, that he's got to clear to be able to play uh, on Thursday night. Like we, these two teams are playing each other on Thursday night. Um, it's funny that like uh, it's a battle of the first and the second overall pick from the same draft class. And we're like, God, we hope we don't see the second overall pick. Um, <laughs> and now in fairness to Zach Wilson, he's sort of like the opposite of Trevor Lawrence, where all of the quiet, like little things of quarterback play, he is like a, a net <laughs> negative terrible. in. He's terrible. <laughs> Yeah. But he does. I mean, that throw to Elijah Moore out of structure, like that's the that's yeah. the throw that Zach Wilson in his brain, he's he's hitting that one every you know every week, right? Like he's he's gonna yep. hit that at least four or five times a game. You can't do it because it's the NFL. But he does he did hit it in this moment. So um, I don't know. I I wouldn't say that the Jets lost that game because of Zach Wilson, but like if they have Mike White in there, I think they probably have a better chance to win because he's he's probably not throwing one of the worst interceptions I've I've ever seen from just a coverage <laughs> diagnosis perspective. But um, Andy, if we get Zach Wilson again on a short week, again, I mean, against a pretty generous Jaguars defense, although, um, you know, they've got some guys there up front, but the secondary is still pretty problematic. How are we feeling about the Jets guys if, if it's Zach Wilson in it? Because it doesn't seem like it's going to be Mike White. The, this is a this is a weirdly meaningful game, you know, like if you told me huge. in September that this is going to be a huge game in terms of like the playoff picture and the trajectory of these two teams, I'd be like, eh, maybe not. Maybe yeah, not see, so this, this was this was bad, bad podcast hosting by me because I meant to make the point we're talking about. I'm an idiot, but I meant to make the point we're talking about the Jaguars that like their next three games. They get the Jets, then they get the Texans, and then yeah. week 18, they're playing the Tennessee Titans. It's very, very possible that that week, because, you know, NBC always wants to get like a, pl a win and in game, like where nothing that happens earlier can mess it up yeah. because they don't want to have, you know, some that, like the Jalen Hurts. It's funny. Jalen Hurts is now like, you know, an MVP candidate, but the the Jalen Hurts like fiasco with the Nate Sudfeld thing with the you know they don't want that type of stuff from a couple of years ago right even and yeah. there are probably worse examples than that so it's very possible that we're getting Titans Jaguars for the AFC South crown winning in game it always by the way it always feels like it comes down to the AFC South I remember when it was like Mariota versus the Colts <laughs> few years ago so um, that's very possible that that's the the winning in game because these uh, to your point. Ter terrible. I mean, I'm a terrible podcast host, but <laughs> <laughs> to your point, this is a very important game on Thursday night. Yeah, huge game. Um, I it's just hard to imagine the Jets' offensive ceiling is being much higher than like, say, is twenty points too generous with Zach Wilson at quarterback? And he's playing like he's coming off one of the better statistical games that that we've seen him deliver. You're like you're so right about the. 
and and that's what got me last year with with Zach Wilson. Um, like he would always draw you back in with just a superhero throw, right? Because he's got a great arm. Um, those those plays where he would just you know he's freelancing and everything is broken down, and then he waves Corey Davis like seventy yards downfield and and puts the ball like beautifully into his arms. Um, but he can't do anything else. Like he can't do any of the little stuff. He can't hit a screen to save his life, right? Like. <laughs> He, he messes up the, the simplest things for NFL quarterbacks, and yet he's capable of, like, still some wow moments. Like, if <laughs> this is going to be a shootout, right? But if it's if it comes down, obviously, to quality of quarterback play, there's just no way the Jets can hang with uh, the Jaguars. Um, so they're going to have to, you know, that, that defense is going to have to step up and and drag the the jags into the the muck in which the jets live uh if they're gonna if they're gonna make a game of this uh, zonovan knight dinged a little bit in uh in mm. week 15 which was a which was a bummer because he was you know he hadn't missed for three straight weeks and was coming off a great performance in a really tough matchup so hopefully he's okay because behind him it's just it's michael carter it's maybe they have to drag james robinson back into the mix um revenge they got it yeah, it's re- it's really hard for me to imagine. Wow, I hadn't even considered the the revenge game narrative for James Robinson. Like a legit. That's what they've been saving. For, that's what they've been saving him for. They've been like, let's keep you <laughs> healthy, scratch <laughs> for week sixteen. They're going to unleash him for twenty five carries and run all over Jacksonville. That would be after. By the way, after everything that we heard about Mike White's injury, like he couldn't find a doctor to clear him. Right? There's just it's it's inconceivable that four days later he'd be fine. You know, I, yeah, I can't imagine yeah. that they're going to sign off on that. To your point about um, Zach Wilson struggling with, you know, completing screen passes, stuff like that. Um, Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for ESPN, of course, uh, for about a billion years now at this point. Uh, Zach Wilson's off-target percentage was 35.3. That was actually worse than his infamous game at New England, which was 35%, according to ESPN stats and information. That 35.3% mark ranks 434th. (laughs) 434th out of 442 individual passing performances this season. Uh, Samini followed it up by saying uh, Wilson did throw long a lot, but he did fine in that area. Actually, his off target percentage was only 25% uh, or his, his, yeah, his off target percentage was 25% on eight attempts of 20 plus air yards. He struggled on the shorter throws. So that, and that's just weird. Like how do you arrive at the NFL just absolutely unable to to hit the simplest throws, the throws that are just gifts, like all the layup stuff, right? Um, you would just assume that, I, I don't know, the college process, the pre-draft process weeds out anybody who can't do the easiest things. M- maybe uh, he, this was not a problem until he arrived in the NFL. I have no idea. But like right off the bat, he couldn't hit a running back to save his life. Uh, last piece of news item here. Uh, the Packers have waived Sammy Watkins, Andy. <laughs> Huge, would like talk about recruitment pitch. We got Odell going on uh, recruiting <laughs> visits. I can't wait to see what the market, like the 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 steamroll market, is for Sammy Watkins. Yeah, listen, if you've got him in Dynasty, let's wait. Let's wait to see where he lands before you before you cut him loose. Um, no, that's <laughs> this is that that's really a shame because if like you can't catch on with the Packers, the most receiving talent starved team, uh, or at least uh, among the most receiving talent starved teams entering the season, like it's just not going to happen. Well, I would say that the probably the most receiving talent starved team right now is actually the team that Sammy Watkins played for last year in the Baltimore Ravens. (laughs) And I did have a thought in my head, like, well, I guess that you could do that reunion, but 
Watkins has look, was hasn't. I mean, Watkins hasn't looked good since 2015. Let me tell you that. For the, the amount yeah. of excuses made for the guys is unbelievable. But um, <laughs> he's looked worse this year than last year. So I can't imagine the Ravens will be banging down his door. But all right. Enough of that Sammy Watkins nonsense. Let's talk about serious business. Sunday night football, Andy. Giants 20, Commanders 12. The Giants um, pretty much send the Cowboys to playoffs with this win. Uh, they also increase their playoff chances. Th- this one made a, a huge difference. And I- I'll say right off the bat, I was definitely, you know, I was bummed for for the Commanders who, uh, you know, I obviously like a lot of, I'm weirdly tied to and like a lot of guys on that team. 538 now has them at a 35% chance to make the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Giants have an 87% chance to to make the playoffs after this one. Uh, what stood out to you? Yeah, uh, these are, these are like perfectly evenly matched teams, right? They've tied one game and, and then this one, of course, came down to a weird goal line sequence. Weird is saying it one way. Yep. That's one way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Like, and they had so many other opportunities, like before we even get to the, to the goal line sequence, right? We had a couple of, of just crushing fumbles by Heineke. I don't, by the way, I don't need to ever hear, um, the phrase pixie dust ever again. I don't, I don't, uh, need to yeah, we, <laughs> we, we heard it like 15 or 16 times last night. I'm, I'm done with it. Um, I'm good on the imagery of Taylor Heineke and like Tinkerbell doing a Tinkerbell yeah. cosplay. I'm, I'm good on that. Yeah, how about it? Um, he he played just a just a really unfortunate <laughs> sloppy game. Um, he wasn't great, and and still uh, almost got it done. Probably should have gotten it done. Uh, uh, good day, good day. I think fantasy value wise, uh, if you're invested in in Brian Robinson, he looked really good. Um, but we we you know he was on the field a lot, but Antonio Gibson barely touched the football. Um, Jahan Dotson, great. Uh, that like yeah. 60 yard catch, like the contested catch situation that was outstanding. He's now seen 15 targets in his last two, two weeks. Um, he, he, he just looked ex- excellent. Um, the, again, the, not to harp on it too much, but the, the McLaurin play, the penalty, uh, on him at the, at the end of the game, I, I don't like, I don't I don't recall seeing that much chatter between a between not that I've ever looked for it before that much chatter between a receiver and an official preceding that call and the flag still gets thrown. That was pretty wild. Obviously, uh, a pretty solid argument for uh, DPI on the on the final ill fated throw. But anyway, these two teams are like perfectly matched. Neither one of them probably going to make any sort of deep playoff run, anything like that. Um, but I think you can feel pretty good as a as a fan of both teams. You'd be a little bit crushed, obviously, if you're a Washington fan. But still, the the general trajectory of the franchise um, seems better than it has in uh, in many prior seasons. Um, I needed a little more from Terry McLaurin. I'm a little I'm a little. I don't know. I don't know why they don't just build the entire offense around him. Sometimes I don't know why we have to mess around with Deami Brown at this stage. Um, I'd like to see all of that go to go to McLaurin. But fun game. Um, fun to have these teams relevant. Uh, it had a little bit of a you know old school Giants uh, Washington vibe, which was which was kind of fun. But ultimately, oh the I guess the other big thing here fantasy wise is uh, Saquon looked great, right? Like yeah. we. we we had a lot of worries about Saquon coming into this one, and it was kind of an open question as to whether, you know, is this is the neck thing still bothering him? They took him off the injury report, but he barely played the week before. But it was also a non-competitive game, and he he just looked excellent. Um, he was he was awesome, and you can go back to thinking of him as Saquon again. And then they've got a great matchup coming up. They get they get Minnesota, 
and then Washington has to deal with San Francisco. So, um, yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah, this is one Washington absolutely had to have. Yeah, I thought Saquon Barkley looking like vintage Saquon Barkley was really encouraging. I mean, he, he couldn't have come in on a colder stretch. Like he, him and yeah. Derrick Henry were two back, backs that just like really slumped during November. Four straight games uh, for, for both of them really in this slump. And, and especially Saquon Barkley, 2.9 yards per carry in his previous four games. You know, he'd gotten shut down by the Lions. That was kind of where it started. Um, and, and Barkley made the point several times, like, I'm not hurt. I'm just playing poorly, whatever. Well, he, he was clearly gassed up for this game. They talked about that a lot on the broadcast too, how he has never really been in playoff games playoff situations during his time with the Giants it's been a pretty unfortunate era of Giants football and this is probably like one of the biggest games he had ever played in and you know was clearly doing a lot of like high level lifting as a leader on that team uh and was also just really doing it as as a player too I mean eight targets that led the team five catches that led the team 33 yards that was stirred among uh, among this goofball receiver core that we're still I mean we're still rolling out Isaiah Hodges and uh and, oh, and, man and yeah guys. I mean that that's what I that's what I whiffed on. Um, I mean, we're still throwing a Richie James. We're throwing a like Slayton's fine, but uh, Slayton, as as I'm sure everyone would agree, is like a really good sort of third receiver who's going to pop up every every four games or so. Right? He's not. He, he he should not be your number one. Obviously, Richie James should not be your number one. Hodgins should not be your, your number one. Like this is, I don't even know how to like. It's it's super hard to evaluate Daniel Jones at this point when he's thrown to these guys. Yeah, it, it is really difficult. I, I like if you had to guess right now, Daniel Jones back with the Giants next year and how and how how do they handle the, him and Saquon Barkley? Like because he's Barkley's a free agent at the end of the year. And obviously, Daniel Jones had declined his fifth year option, too. I would imagine that Daniel Jones is back. Um, I don't like I, I don't have I, I don't know what their options would be. Uh, right. You're not going to unless you yeah. unless you can unless you can trade your way into the top quarterbacks. Um, you have not you like you've played too well. <laughs> you've, yeah. you've played too well to get like a great quarterback unless you, you know, sort of mortgage the the future in some way. So I would guess Daniel Jones is back. I, I think he's played reasonably well. You know, he's he's certainly um, he certainly has a rushing component to his game that that is matched by, I don't know few few other nfl quarterbacks like he's pretty fun um i don't think he's been any sort of enormous problem this year you you probably don't get you know you, you're probably not a uh uh you know a contender for for nfc championship games with daniel jones as your quarterback but they're like they're steps away from that and they're they're a bunch of uh, yeah, they're a bunch of spots that they need to improve. Notably, like they need to find like a number one and a number two receiver. Um, yeah. So they've got holes to fill. Um, and I just again, I don't I don't know how you really blame anything that's gone on this year on Daniel Jones. I think he's been good enough. Um, I I don't know how they make it work with Barkley. I don't know if Barkley's like secretly mad at the. I have no idea what his relationship is with the team. But I would I would certainly want to bring back this version of Saquon Barkley. Yeah, he feels like a franchise candidate. Uh, but then again, it's like you got to work something out with Daniel Jones. Not that I think somebody's yeah. gonna be like banging down Daniel Jones' door to come and start for them or whatever. But you never know. There's a lot of weird and desperate teams out there. Last thing on Washington, I'm big, big Scott Turner, bro. Big Scott Turner, bro. And obviously, I'm a huge Curtis Samuel backer. But can we stop with the Curtis Samuel rush attempts, man? Oh, thank you, man. Those were all doomed last night. Um, I like did they did they all lose like two yards? Like, that's just like a play that you run when you want to lose two five yards, carries, right? like one yard, <laughs> a, a yeah, yard yeah. on the five carries. And look, 
Like, I, I, I love Curtis Samuel. I think Curtis Samuel is a great player. If you want to get the ball to him, throw him the freaking ball. I mean, yeah. he made that great catch down the sideline. He pro- he got he should have gotten a DPI on the final play, man. I mean, he's a yeah. good player. You want to get it to him, throw the damn thing to him. But you have a really good power running back in Brian Robinson, who's averaging over seven yards per carry last night, ripping off. It's like they would do the same thing. They'd rip off Brian Robinson long run. And then like the next couple of plays, you get Curtis Samuel up the gut, you know, stuffed completely. It's uh, stop. Like Samuel's not that guy. Stop. I love, by the way, that so many of the Brian Robinson long runs are like, he just ends up in a crowd and, and the crowd just slowly moves downfield. Um, yeah. that's, that's really fun. Like most of, most of the best moments of Brian Robinson, you can't even see Brian Robinson cause he's just engulfed in linemen and he's, and he's just sort of moving a big pile of humanity, uh, down the field. That's he's, he's been, he's been better than I had anticipated. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, it's Washington's just a little frustrating because they have all these talented players, and you know Taylor Heineke, God love him, he's doing his he's doing his best out there. But he <laughs> he absolutely a uh, t- couple of brutal fumbles, uh, everything like that last night. So they're probably out of the playoff mix. We'll talk more Jahan Dotson later. Uh, and j- yeah, just final note for the for the illegal formation stuff. Obviously, I watch a lot of wide receivers, guys that line up at the X in that spot. They they check with the ref almost like every time. It's crazy, and it's crazy to me. And I'm never—I know it was probably the first time I've ever mentioned some some referee-based thing on the podcast. I never really like to talk about that stuff because it's just people get all up in their feelings, and you never make yeah. everybody happy yeah. and whatever. And for the most part, I think it like it all evens out in the end. Like it's there are bad calls on all sides. You could do it for every single game that happens, every team, whatever. Nobody, the refs are not out to get anyone, and the NFL is not rigged. So give it a break. But the fact that he McLaurin checks with him. He moves up and the ref just goes like like he's going for a you know so, like a gun in his holster goes for the flag and is ready to rip that thing out there. It's like he could he could not wait to get that flag out on on Terry McLaurin who did the right thing and checked at them Unbe- unbelievable. Right. Like if I was a Washington fan this morning, I would be I would be furious for sure. I I will say he didn't like he didn't move up a ton like he did all the the normal sort of theatrics that you that you see. And again, I don't know what was said between them exactly, but it certainly looks like he addressed the ref. Um, and there was some communication with the ref. I, I don't know that he did anything other than like kind of lean forward a little bit more. And I also don't know like how much the ref had been had been yapping at him about it uh, previously in the game. Still, just a super weird sequence. And like literally the only two people who had no influence on that play whatsoever were Terry McLaurin <laughs> and the guy lined up across from him. Right, Like just absolutely no impact. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. That's a bummer. Um, also, don't think like McLaurin's the type to make mental errors on, you know, intentionally no. or certainly go out there and like lie through his teeth about the the communication with the ref. So it's un- it's unfortunate. What a- It's a bummer for that way to that that a bummer for that game to end that way, because I did think it was a really fun game to watch, even if these two yeah. teams are, are both deeply flawed. Um, <laughs> they're spunky and they're weird. And I like spunky and weird sometimes. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Andy is going to tell you the judge. The judge, Andy, is going to put his, could his put his wig on here. He's going to tell you the right way to act if you're an eliminated team at this point of the season right after this. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, Andy, we're back. Um, You mentioned it in passing when we talked Treviso Babes, and we do have some Treviso Babes updates coming later in the show. But before we do all that, you mentioned in passing last week that eliminated teams maybe shouldn't be putting in waiver claims. Lord Podcast wanted you to expand on this uh, in in the show because he had never heard of this being sort of an unwritten rule. Your thoughts on on waiver etiquette this time of year? Yeah, like I I don't think that just because you're in the constellation bracket that means that you should just stop setting lineups or or any such thing. And I am I am I play in certain leagues myself that have like. A, a little dopey prize for the winner of the consolation bracket and and certainly in leagues that have a punishment for um, last place finishers that had different financial incentives. So if you're in a league like that, fine, do what you want, do what you want to do, um, set your claims, um, you know, keep it going through the end of the season. I totally get it. Your league has decided that they want to incentivize you to keep making transactions. I, I would just say to other folks, who are in a consolation bracket with no consequences um, that that just just don't place claims. Like if you want to wait until waivers have processed and everybody's a free agent and you know that all the teams still competing have, have taken their shot at, at all those guys, like the people who are competing for whatever whatever's at stake in your league. Um you know, let let all those folks com- like compete for the best available talent. And if they decide that they don't need to place a claim or throw any fab resources or whatever at anybody on the wire, fine. Dive in, um, tr- try to finish as the seventh place team or the fifth place team or the ninth place team or whatever it is in your league. Because I also get that like Yahoo is tracking you, right? We do the little diamond, platinum, gold um, performance measurements. So like there is a little bit you know, of grading at least, like, of you. Six times a week, you know, what's your where your ranking is. Oh, yeah. And on top of that, we're giving you grades for the lineups you set. So like I get it. Um, go ahead and really? make uh, <laughs> the occasional grade. Matt Harmon grades each lineup. I was going to say, I thought that week. was I mean, that must be Dalton Del Don just grinding out. <laughs> Nobody. I mean, he does actually do a lot of behind the scenes stuff with like rankings and product and whatever. But. Oh, yeah, that is that's Dalton just grading your lineup every single week. Like, uh, did oh you, you started somebody over twenty six? F. Oh, your team only scored fifty five points, but you had Brock Purdy. A. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could definitely imagine that. Um, yeah, so like, I, I'm I'm just saying, kind of kind of stay out of the way a little bit. Take a take a step back. I've always done it. Um, most of the leagues that I play in, um, and I, you know, another important caveat is if it's a, you know, if it's a dynasty league, if you can carry anybody over to the next season, obviously you're not going to do that. You're going to, you're going to place claims on anybody that you think might be interesting for 2023. I get it. There's all sorts of, uh, there's all sorts of caveats here, but if you're just in a standard 10, 12 team league, you're, you're playing for, you know, everybody's buy-in was 50 bucks or whatever. And the consolation bracket has zero consequences. I, I think it's common courtesy not to not to place waiver claims. Um, I, I've always understood it to be that way. I this shouldn't be you, you just seem petty. Like you just seem kind of small and petty if you're if you're out there, you know, firing up five claims to to try to take home ninth place in your league. I think it I think it's a little bit odd. Um, I wouldn't do that. Also, don't make any like enormously consequential drops because you're Yeah, that's a that's surly. a big one. Yeah, that's a, that is one that my my mom asked me about this week with uh with and I relate a lot of what you just said to her, um and the but the big one is hey ladies, 
in the Treviso Babes League especially. We know you got quick trigger fingers on the drops, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't be dropping, you know, Patrick Mahomes because you're eliminated, Tammy. We're looking at yeah. you. But, yeah, no, that's that's all very, very good advice. Uh, so appreciate you giving putting the people on notice, uh, you know, to not be out there doing it. You know, especially you don't want to be d- uncourteous to your league members, okay? That's disgusting behavior. Try to act right. Try to act like an adult here. Andy, let's get into that's- running – yeah, I was going to say that's how like deep resentments are formed in yes. fantasy leagues, right? That's how yes. that's how nonsensical rivalries are formed and it's just it's just totally unnecessary when you consider that the stakes again are like 7th place. Yeah, right. That, yeah, you don't want to burn somebody out of the league. You don't want to piss off somebody. Just keep it keep it copacetic here, man. You know, try to keep it level. Uh, keep keep it on the level. Okay? That's what we're trying to do here. Uh be be a good league member, uh, a good league mate out there. Let's move to the running backs that uh, the seventh place team should not be picking up this week, Andy. <laughs> We're starting here with Tyler Algier, who looked, I think, looked really good against the Saints and, um, you know, has just kind of steadily been involved all year long. Yeah, this week I've tried to really curate the list to, um, like, I don't want to, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of sketchy players that I'm not even going to mention here, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to endorse, and I've tried We're to keep it down that. to... Yeah, definitely in favor of that. And and we've tried to keep this to to players that I can really imagine myself in any of the leagues in which I'm still alive actually setting claims. And Tyler Algier is at the is at the absolute top of this list. He's got Baltimore coming up, which is not the greatest of matchups. Uh he's got Arizona on the back end of that. And Arizona obviously just gave up a big day to Latavius Murray. And if that can happen, then anybody can go off against Arizona. Um, but this was really a yeah, like Algier's workload has been pretty steady um he's he's seeing double digit carries most weeks it sure helps that he's tied to an offense that's running the ball almost 33 times a game right they're they're third in the league in in rush attempts in a in a normal year they might be first but we just got, have some when the bears are running like 40 times a game whatever um so they're they're tied to a and he's tied to an absolute run first team um 17 carries for 139 yards, scores a touchdown. He's now averaging five yards per carry on the season. And um, the, the you know, advanced metrics look really good for him too, right? These last, on the season, he's averaging three and a half yards after contact per attempt. Mm. Over the last like three or four weeks, he's getting better. He's averaging like 4.4 yards after contact per attempt. Like you see it on the, see it on the touchdown against the Saints. He's just pinballing through guys, Um really running with just violence and he's lost nothing throughout the course of the season. So there's no, there's no rookie wall here. Yeah. He is still stuck in a committee with Cordero Patterson, but they're both touching the ball, you know, 10 to 15 times a game. And obviously, uh, game flow being what it was this, well, shoot, you, you think about the, the way that game went against the saints. Like they got down by a couple scores early. It does not affect their dedication to running, (laughs) you know, like Desmond Ritter only threw the ball 26 times in a game that they, they really fell behind early. Um, he's, he's not going to have more than 26 throws for the rest of the season, right? They're just going to keep it on the ground with Algier and Patterson. And it worked. I think Algier's a really fun player. He's obviously the, I think he's established himself as the future of the position in Atlanta. Um, and this is his best game. So I, I think of of anybody that I've put on this list, I think he is most likely to to wind up in flex spots over the next couple of weeks. I mean, shoot, not like the Ravens look like they're capable of running away from anybody right now. The yeah. Cardinals might be down to Trace McSorley uh, by the time they're, you know, facing the Arizona, or facing the Atlanta Falcons. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely think that, like, from a game script perspective, we're not even really concerned generally with the Falcons running back. But certainly, uh, 
with these two matchups on the horizon. We talked a little bit about uh, Zach Moss and Deion Jackson. Doesn't sound like you're too gassed up about either one of these guys. No, and it's again, it's just it just makes you think about the matchups that awaited Jonathan Taylor um, between between what he would have done if healthy against Minnesota, given that that game flow and then what he could have done to the Chargers, the Giants. Like, it's just it, it's just a bummer. Um, I mean, everybody saw I like I, I don't know really how much people watched of that game when they thought it was over early. But, man, um, Zach Moss didn't gain an inch that wasn't blocked for him. Right? Like I I no. talked about the thing where Brian Robinson gets himself in a big scrum of people and he just pushes the pile downfield. There were literally a couple moments for the Colts where like a a pile of humanity was moving down the field and, and two, three yards behind it, Zach Moss was already on the ground, like, um, face planted, like he's, he's, he's not the most exciting runner. And I really liked him coming into the league, uh, with the, with the bills. I thought that was going to be a good situation. And it's just, I'm, I'm taking the, taking the L on that. Um, I don't think he's great, but he carried 24 times for 81 yards. I think he's the early down guy. I think Deion Jackson is probably, probably still the passing down guy, but boy, did he get punished after I mean he did fumble the football a pretty soft fumble that ended up um uh, obviously turning the game around and, and giving Minnesota a chance so Deion Jackson really got punished for that did score a touchdown earlier in the game I, I think if I if I had to place a claim for one of these guys it would be Zach Moss but it wouldn't be I wouldn't get aggressive like Tyler Algiers the the guy that I would want if he's available yeah you'd have to be pretty zero RB heavy and not have landed on like yes. a clear cut solution or I don't know, pretty banged at the running position to be like, all right, I'm picking up Zach Moss. I'm starting him. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in like a, a you know, the playoffs in a 16 team league where I'm, I'm going to have to place a claim for Zach Moss. Like, at, you know, cause I've lost Damian Pierce. And like, once you, once you lose anybody, there's just, sure. you're just down to drags. You're, like my, my claim order is probably going to be like Zach Moss, Royce Freeman. I don't know. It's really, uh, oh. yeah, it's, it's really ugly out there. Oh, um, that was Freeman. a good team too. Yeah, um, who I'm not officially endorsing for anyone. We're not even going to talk about him today. So, but Zach Moss is coming off a 24 carry game, and he's got some friendly spots ahead. So, can he make a little noise against the Chargers? Yeah, I think he can. the The other two names that I put on this list. Um, good reminder that Chuba Hubbard is is still playing a whole lot. He's got rough matchups coming up though. He's got Detroit. And they haven't allowed a big game to a running back in forever. And then he's got Tampa on the back end of that. Um, we do know that the Panthers just want to run the ball. There are another of these teams like Atlanta where they just all, all they really want to do is run it 40, 45 times, something like that. So that looks good. Um, he doubled up Deontay Foreman's snaps uh, against Pittsburgh for what it's worth. He neither one of them had any kind of day. Um, neither one of them made any fantasy noise. But Hubbard's day was saved a little bit by three catches for 57 yards. Uh, I don't know that either one of these guys, Foreman or Hubbard, are stars necessarily. But that was a that was a big tilt in the playing time in Hubbard's direction. And then the other the other name we need to throw out there is Khalil Herbert, who's returning from IR. Um, and I think we I think we have that uh, pretty firmly established that he's actually going to come back in week 16. Dicey matchup against Buffalo. But yet again, the Bears are just going to run the ball no matter the yep. game situation, no matter the score. So that's great. The other fun thing about Herbert, um, guy's averaging six yards a carry. Like he yeah, is he is averaging more yards per carry than any running back on the season among qualifiers. So he's just plainly really good. He's a big part of the future of the position for the Bears. Um, and on the back end of the Buffalo matchup, he's got Detroit. Again, we hardly care with the Bears because they're just going to run no matter what. Um, but I... 
it, it's pretty easy to see him falling into something close to a like 40, 60 or 50, 50 workload split with David Montgomery down the stretch. Yeah, I'm excited to see Herbert kind of finish off the season because he's got a pretty big opportunity to to be the one A of a committee or even just the RB one if he if he finishes the year strong. And I'm sure the Bears probably want to get a look at him, you know, to you know even more just to see what they have there. Uh, you have decided, Andy, you made the executive decision to combine wide receiver and tight end, which I really respect you for, by the way. Um, that it's like well, they're not we're not about to list off five tight ends you can pick up here. I'll just read off your list of guys here, and you can tell me. Who kind of stands out? We talked Jahan Dotson already. Uh, he leads your list, and I agree. Um, great pickup. You mentioned the targets the last two weeks. I just such a good. I mean, he's a he's a really, really, really good player, man. He, he's got a a flair for the dramatic at the catch point. Yeah, that's for sure. But um, that's part of his skill set, and uh, I, I loved his route running last night. I was a big fan of him as a route runner in college as well. So I'm glad to see him healthy and balling. Your other guys here. Marquise Goodwin, KJ Osborne, McCole Hardman, uh, Rashid Shahid from the New Orleans Saints, and then two Saints tight ends in uh, Juwan Johnson <laughs> and Taysom Hill. Yeah, um, I don't want. I just I don't want to keep throwing out tight ends that I wouldn't really play myself, right? Or who I'm, no. you know, I, I hate just because I feel like I need to have a list of names. I give you a couple tight ends that I end up ranking like tight end sixteen, tight end seventeen. I'm just not feeling it. No, like we're no, we're yeah, down to yeah. guys that you might actually plug in there and play. Um, I, I think Jahan Dotson is a tier of his own on this list. Um, I think he, I think his value doesn't really depend on what anybody else does. I think he's going to be a heavy use player. I, I love the number of targets that he's seen over these last couple of weeks. You know, we had the nine target game just a couple of weeks ago. He was fantastic. He was the best thing the, the, the commanders had going for him, uh, on, on Sunday night. Like that was a, that was a bit of a signature game for him. He, he scores almost all the time. Like I know there's some yeah, flukiness to that, but six, but they love him in the red zone. They like, this is six touchdowns in, in nine games for Dotson. Even when he easy to see why with how good he as he is as a contested receiver. Like I, I know. Yeah. Obviously flukiness, yeah. of course, like the rate of touchdowns per target, blah, 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 blah. But like, there's a reason that he gets those touchdowns because he has that skill set. Yeah, if he's like one on one against somebody, and we're we're just fighting for a ball that's in the air, like he's he's winning that fight all the time. That the deep ball to him was just gorgeous, and like the more they slow it down, uh, the the better it looked, right? Like uh, he he was just fantastic against the Giants. So I I think he's a I think he's an easy add. I think he's the easy priority if he's available to you, and he's out there in I want to say over eighty percent of Yahoo leagues right now, or at least he was yeah. last night. So he is widely available. Very good. Certainly the the most likely player on this list to to score a touchdown except perhaps McCole Hardman if he comes back to his usual workload because McCole Hardman in the three games uh prior to his abdominal injury had scored five touchdowns and we talked about it at the time they'd really found something with him like in goal to go situation like they get inside the 10 and they would just get him in space and he would make somebody miss and that's probably the best use of McCole Hardman um because a lot of the downfield stuff was just never working for him um but I loved the way they were using him prior to the injury I think he steps right back into that so I think he can make some noise down the stretch he's got Seattle and Denver coming up beyond that um Mar Marquise Goodwin could have like a week um we're going to be without Tyler Lockett and that's just sort of I don't know. That's just sort of an unsolvable problem for Seattle because Tyler Lockett's really good and and there's nobody has somebody else on their roster who can just step in and be Tyler Lockett. Like I'm not saying he can do that, but Goodwin is one of the fastest men in the league. Um there there's probably seven to nine targets available to him right now. 
he's he's scored four touchdowns on the season. He's had some little little uh, um, he's had his moments this year. He's had um, moments, yeah, I don't think he's a I don't think he's a bad receiver. Like I'm I'm probably talking him down too much, right? I'm just I. I'm, this is really me. Like Tyler Lockett is really, really good. Tyler Lockett's a superstar, yeah. and and I I don't think that Goodwin is at that level. Um, but he is going to fall into some targets here, and it's the Chiefs. Chiefs are a vulnerable defense, and you're going to have to put up a number if you're going to hang with the Chiefs. So uh, I think Goodwin is an interesting play this week. It sounds like we've gotten almost a best case scenario from Lockett's injury. Like maybe it's only a week. That would be spectacular. I need it. I'm sure you need it. Um, oh, so, yeah, that, so that would be great. <laughs> so this, this might not be a rest of season situation for Goodwin. Um, I feel like we have to talk about KJ Osborne cause 16 targets, um, monster game, right? Like could have been even bigger, had, had a, had a huge gain, uh, negated by replay review, but, uh, he was great. He's found the end zone in back-to-back weeks. Obviously, the circumstances against the Colts are not going to repeat themselves. Um, we're not going to see a lot of that. Uh, and, and it was a it was a game flow thing. He saw 16 targets and Jefferson saw 16 targets. And that's just that's just not going to be there for him. But I will say that I think Osborne has probably arrived at a point over the last few weeks where I'm not I'm not sure we should have much of a gap between him and like Adam Thielen in the ranks. I don't uh, know where yeah. you rank Adam Thielen each week, but um, for, for me, it's been getting into the, like the high thirties, the low forties. Right. And yep. I feel like I'm going to park Osborne there as well. Um, Osborne is, seems just as likely to have a big week as Thielen at this stage. They were both fine against the Colts, but that is a, that is a notable uptick for me. So, uh, so I wanted to throw him in here and the other receiver I listed, <laughs> Rashid Shaheed, he, um, he's a, he's a, a burner, right? Like really fast um rookie hasn't seen more than four targets in any game and yet he's had a bunch of wow moments this year um and the the notable thing about him is that he actually ran more routes than any other saints receiver uh on uh, on on sunday so he's seeing the field a bunch um again they haven't they haven't utilized him a ton he he's more i don't know the the devery henderson type i guess right like who's just never going to see a ton of targets but again, he's on the field all the time. He, he's running all the routes. And when he like when they hit something with Shahid, he takes it to the house. So he's interesting if you're in a very deep league. And then I threw in the two Saints tight ends, only one of whom is actually a tight end. Uh, Taysom Hill uh, and uh, and Jawan John- Johnson. Um, Hill has played 40 percent of the snaps or more in five straight games. Like he's on the field all the time now. He's getting carries. He's getting pass attempts. He's definitely not a tight end, but still this works in terms of fantasy scoring. Johnson is the guy like I can I can write the blurb, the 2023 player blurb on him already, which is going to be all about touchdown regression. Right. Because he scored like seven times on 35 catches. Of course, it's unsustainable over the course of a career, but he's like the designated touchdown scorer this year. And um, it's never a surprise when he finds when he finds the end zone. They obviously like him when they get into the into the red area. Like he's probably going to score two more times. And tight end is so dreadful that, uh, yeah, I think I think Juwan Johnson is somebody that you can plug in there and, and start in the playoffs. Yep. I uh, would love to have Juwan Johnson. I do have to do the Taysom Hill thing in my dynasty league. I got to rock. That's like my answer the rest of the season because uh, Hayden Hurst got hurt and like, all right, well, got to put on my big boy pants and hope that, uh, you know, he has one of those 33 point performances like he did. Yeah. I don't even remember what team it was earlier in the year, but uh, yeah, that would be beautiful. I'd love Seattle. I'd love that. From, yeah. From, against the great Seattle Seahawks defense. That's right. That'd be awesome. Um, speaking of Seahawks, they took an L to Brock Purdy, who is your lone quarterback recommendation uh, for the week. 
Yeah, I didn't want to pretend that I was endorsing like I don't know Ryan Tannehill, Zach Wilson, what like who whoever no. the dregs are at quarterback. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to put a, put on a straight face and and do that nonsense? Yeah, nobody's starting those guys like in a single quarterback league in the fantasy playoffs. It's just simply not happening. Um, but you know we. But I can talk about Purdy all day. I've I've enjoyed the Purdy story so much. Um, having not been super open to the idea that Brock Purdy could be a functional NFL quarterback. I think this is amazing. A straight um, hater is what I would call you, actually, Andy, is a straight it's Brock fair. Purdy it's hater. T- it's totally fair. Like, <laughs> I, like that kid had some terrible college moments, um, got pulled from games. Um, this is awesome. I'm not going to, I'm not somebody who's going to tell you, oh, he for sure has to be the 49ers starting quarterback next year. Oh, yeah. for sure. He's a top 10 NFL quarterback or whatever. But like, this whole thing is, in in addition to being a, a testament to you know his work ethic and his preparation, man, um, that that offense. And I feel like I've been critical of the Niners' offense at times this year too. But man, they they create some beautiful layup throws for for quarterbacks. A lot of easy stuff that he is never missing. Like he hasn't missed a thing. The the two the two plays to Kittle, the scoring plays were um, were beautiful. One of them, and I'm going to include the clips in uh, in the pickups article. One of them is a total throwback to like a Bill Walsh play, right? Like the one where I'm going to fake a throw to the left and then I'm going to spin around. I'm going to fake a throw to the right. And then magically my tight end is wide ass open down the middle of the field. Like that is a, that is an old Bill Walsh play that, that they just reran, um, worked beautifully. Like he's hitting all the open stuff and he's just doing exactly like down to the yard, what you would have expected from Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like it was almost a punchline with Garoppolo where like, yeah, he's going to give us 220 yards and two touchdowns each week. And it's never going to be, it's never going to be more than 240 and two. And it's never going to be less than like 190 and two. And that is exactly what Brock Purdy is doing. He is, he is like on the nose, something like 204 passing yards per game, couple of touchdowns. Um, And he's got a little bit of running juice. Like he's just, this is a great story. He's got Washington coming up, bit of a neutral matchup, and then he's got and then he's got Vegas. Um, and that's a great matchup. So, like, if you're you know if you're down a quarterback, and and some of us are, he has been the best possible fill in, and he's out there in about eighty percent of Yahoo leagues. I love it, man. Purdy's been so much fun. Uh, just running the offense. Love the Kittle stuff uh, on Thursday Night Football. That was amazing. I mean, he's just been. It's been a lot of fun to see him and. Like he's he's better. He is playing better, I think, than like Nick Mullins or your boy CJ Beather. Yeah. Like when he was when these guys were in there, like putting up big yards per attempt numbers. Like I think he's playing better than those guys. Yeah. The the thing with those guys is and and <laughs> Mullins in particular, there'd be like three throws a game that would hit a defender in the hands. And, you know, he just he had a little bit of that Heineke luck, right? Like where the yeah. with the potential disaster balls um uh didn't always get picked off. But Purdy's not doing any of that. Like there, yeah, there just pretty. aren't a whole yeah, there's not a whole bunch of throws where like, wow, they they got lucky there. Can't believe the defender dropped that. You know, uh, can't believe two guys were fighting over that ball and it fell to the ground. Right. Like none of that stuff is happening. He's he's like running this offense as designed, hitting all the layup throws that that Shanahan gives you. And it's been it's been great to watch. All right, let's give a couple drops here. I'll start with Donta Foreman. Uh, you mentioned Chuba Hubbard earlier Ooh. and he's, yeah. he's still playing a ton and. I know Foreman, it's a, it's kind of an aggressive drop because he's been really good uh, for you if you picked him up off the waiver wire. And I'm not like I wouldn't go out and drop Donta Foreman for damn Zach Moss. I, I, I mean, I guess not. But the matchups are tough. Uh, like you mentioned with Chuba Hubbard, you know, they get the lines. The lines have shut down so many good running games of late. Uh, the Bucks the, the week after that. 
Foreman would be a tough guy to trust because he's in this straight up committee with Chuba Hubbard. Uh, like he, like you mentioned, more snaps last week against the Steelers. And as much as the Panthers want to run forty times in a game, that's tough to pull off when the other team can put points up on you. And the right. Steelers <laughs> managed to do that uh, when against the Panthers this past week. I certainly think the Lions and perhaps even the damn Bucks can do that in week uh, in week seventeen. Yeah, no, it's such a good point. Like the Lions are going to put 28, 31 points on you. Um, the Lions yeah. are really good. Like that's a that's a fun team playing their best football. So, no, it's a really good point. I'm I was thinking as you were as you were uh, discussing Foreman, I'm not going to rank him as a starter this week. Um, no. I think he just played 14 snaps like Hubbard played like 29 and Foreman played 14. Um, and that's, that's jarring. That is obviously he was ineffective and then he barely played, right? Like that is, that is an alarmingly low number. And uh, yeah, the, the fact that Hubbard, if he hasn't leapfrogged him, he's, he's basically in a 50, 50 committee with him right now. Like that is a, that is a huge problem. And the lions haven't given up like even 80 yards to a running back in forever. Like you have to go back to like October. So they've been really good against better running backs than Deontay yep. Foreman. Um, and we're at the point of the season, obviously, where like, if you're not going to play a guy, um, they're a drop. Like, exactly. if, they're, if you're not going to play him like this week, they're a plausible drop. 14 snaps, like you mentioned, for Foreman, 10 carries, nine yards. That's the problem with a guy yeah. like this who has caught two passes in his last four games. <laughs> the floor is absolutely hideous. Like the floor yeah. is you're never going to forget Dante Foreman giving you nine yards in a fantasy championship game or something like that. So he just makes for a really precarious play these next two weeks. Um, as much as, as much as I think he's a good back and a good player, like I'm looking at his his box score right now is it is pretty hilarious. They traded, um, but they, they traded Chris McCaffrey after, after the Rams game, right? So week seven, uh, against the bucks, 118 yards week, uh, eight against the Falcons, 118 yards, pretty crazy back to back. Then 23 yards, 130 yards, 24 <laughs> yards, 113 yards, 74 <laughs> yards, nine. Like there's that the possibility he puts up something hideous, like 23 yards, 24 yards, or even freaking nine yards is, is very much within the range of outcomes. Yeah, and then the fact that he's not catching passes means that he's so exposed to uh, to game flow, right? If things do not go his way or he doesn't, like, break a run early in the game, why don't we just play Hubbard? Because at least Hubbard can, you know, H Hubbard is functional as a, as a receiver. So it's a it's a really good call. My my drop was not as aggressive, and I imagine that in a lot of competitive leagues he's already dropped, but I'm, I'm, I'm finally ready to throw in the towel on Antonio Gibson, uh, who just <laughs> saw seven touches. Uh, Brian Robinson looked really good. Brian Robinson playing the exact style of football that that Washington wants to play. I I I think Gibson's a good player and uh I think it is actually a, a shortcoming of this offense that they're not using him better and they're they're not using him more consistently. But I, I mean he's coming off a he's coming off a seven touch game and he's like the alleged you know receiving threat out of the backfield and they trailed and he still only saw seven touches. So he's untrustable. I'm not going to rank him anywhere near the the group of running backs that you can reasonably play in a flex or as an rb2 or anything like that so i think he's i think he's a pretty clear drop if you need to make a move yep uh let's move on to our hold on loosely candidates here i'll start with tyler lockett won't go too long on it but I, like you mentioned the fact that this might only be a one-week injury i know i'm very very uh hesitant myself to take pete carroll's word for it or anything around the <laughs> seattle seahawks injury situation very, very hesitant to do that. Don't love that he like you know, fractured a finger. And like, that's a pretty important thing to playing wide receiver, um, especially a guy like Tyler Lockett, who makes, 
you know, unbelievable, spectacular catches down the field. Would love to, you know, have his finger not fall off when a football hits it. That would be. I will say, I will say Tyler Boyd really downplayed his uh, finger injury. He was like, I have so many other fingers. (laughs) Fair enough. It's one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite quotes of the weekend. He was, he was so dismissive of the idea that a broken finger could keep him out of a game. And yet there are so many receivers out there, you know, Gabe Davis needs all ten, all ten. Okay, let me tell you what he's got one missing. He 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 needs, he needs all ten of those bad boys to get it close. Okay, so but Lockett, a guy with great hands that I think we can trust with nine. Maybe maybe we can trust Tyler Lockett, and then I wouldn't even say I, Tyler Boyd. You know, usually a pretty sure-handed guy. Maybe we could trust him with nine. There's other guys though. Let's make sure they have all 10. Um, the matchups, uh, you know, he's going to miss this week against Kansas City. And and even the Jets in week 17 for Tyro Lock, it's not like a, ooh, boy, slam dunk, like fire out the cannons or whatever. But I will I will go down with the ship with Tyro Lock. And this is advice. Like, sometimes we come on here and we say stuff and it's like, oh, it's all hypothetical. I you you said like I'm sure you, you, you sure I'm sure you need Tyler Lockett. Yeah, buddy, I need Tyler Lockett. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he is on all of my playoff teams. So um, I am actively concerned that I won't even make it to week 17 because I'm going to not have Tyler Lockett in week 16. But if I do, I'm damn sure going to want to have him on my bench, not on the waiver wire. Yeah, my my guy to hold on loosely um, is DJ Chark. And I know that this is not a huge name, obviously. Um, I just want to remind people that when we talked about him as a pickup last week, when I wrote about him last week as a pickup, it was not for the Jets matchup ahead. I know he had a quiet no, week. Yeah. We It was reasonable to expect that he would have a quiet week. Um, it was the fact that he had, he had popped recently. And you don't have to look down the road very far to see Chicago waiting in week 17. That is the most important week of the fantasy season. And the Bears defense is just an absolute gift. Um, we, we saw both Eagles receivers just go absolutely nuclear against uh, against the Bears. Like the Bears secondary just can't stop anybody. The Bears defense can't yeah. stop anything or anyone. That is why you added DJ Chark uh, as a as a plausible flex or wide receiver three for that matchup and that matchup alone. So I wouldn't go kicking him to the curb if he was already part of your plans for the end game. And DJ Shark still ran around on 84.2% of the dropbacks. Um, you know, Jamison Williams, it's awesome to see him out there. Would have been nice if Jared Goff could make that throw <laughs> when, yeah. when Jamison Williams got himself like patented Jamison Williams getting himself open uh, deep, whatever. That'd be nice if Jared Goff could hit that throw. But they're still bringing him along really slowly, as nice as it is to see him out there. 15.8% uh, routes per dropback. So uh, DJ Shark remains like the clear cut starter outside um, alongside with Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds when they go to three wide receiver sets. So I like that one. Um, Last business here. We got to get to Andy, uh, our Treviso babes update. So first things first, uh, mom, absolutely uh, curb stomped Tammy this week uh, to remain in third place. Uh, So good. Good to see that. I did get a, I did get a rather hilarious text from my mom on Saturday night. Um, You know, like I've said, we have, this is all, just about 90% of what we talk about is fantasy football at this point. Um, <laughs> she, she sends me a text at 6.22 p.m. Uh, on Saturday night. And I'll admit, I, I was at a friend's house. Um, you know, we had a Christmas cookie party. I may or may not have had a few, um, a few beers in me at this point. So I was very interested to get this text from my mom. Did you see what I did on my own? <laughs> and, and no, mom, I don't. She says, I picked up Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> I just reply, oh, oh no. boy. Oh, what have I done? And, and she said, was that 
she said trav who's my brother-in-law made me do it was that fake advice on the podcast um i was like mom you started george kittle on thursday night and i posted the, the text that you know of her being on a flight and missing the george kittle eruption i was like you don't you don't need to play jeff driscoll so luckily we avoided a disaster uh where she was considering you know flat not i don't think it would have mattered she would have won anyways cause she has jalen hurts and all that stuff but there was definitely a potential disaster scenario where Andy, you would have had her starting Jeff Driscoll in her flex spot or some nonsense like that. I, I will say like people were asking me throughout the week, do I, do I flex Jeff Driscoll? And I was like, no, that is not the point of Jeff Driscoll's weird position eligibility. You, you could play him at tight end. If you were just looking at like a bunch of goofy waiver wire uh, scraps. Yeah. Sure. I would do that. I would not flex him. That is, you are reminding me of another thing that I got wrong critically in at least one league, which is, I, my like the tight ends that I have there are the two fake tight ends. They're Jeff Driscoll and Taysom Hill, and I and I did start oh. Driscoll in one of them over Hill, which obviously huge mistake. Even though Driscoll had a ton of opportunity, um, sometimes relying on bad football players is a mistake. But who can know this beforehand? Oh, geez. Um, yeah. By the way, speaking of uh, Jalen Hurts, we just I just got an uh, alert right now as we're taping this uh, from Adam Schefter and Tom Pelissero that Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts is uncertain to play Saturday versus the Cowboys due to a sprained shoulder he suffered uh, during the Sunday game against the Bears. So um, number one, got to got to figure out something to do with my mom's damn fantasy team at this point. Bev's got it. Bev's got to make an adjustment here. Um, but. Tough scene. Jalen Hurts uh, potentially in doubt. Uh, your, your only recommend- recommendation was Brock Purdy. So if he's on the waiver wire, you got Jalen Hurts. You better run out there to get old uh, <laughs> Brock Purdy on your team. Yeah, Purdy over Purdy over Minshew, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, that would be that would be crushing for yet another of my teams that is probably going to advance, but um, not guaranteed to. But I have been I, I have a team that Jalen Hurts has just been flat out dragging uh, all season into the playoffs. And now perhaps through at least this round of the playoffs, it is a it, it, it is a team that I don't know. I'm I'm going to be fine when they're eliminated because I don't mm-hmm. like any part of it other than Jalen Hurts. But that would be a really sad way for it to go out. That's 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 a shame because uh, he was like he even in a game where like he made some early mistakes against the Bears, he was phenomenal. He's been he's been one of the great stories of this season. God, yeah, I've got I've got my team that was on a bye this week has Jalen Hurts. I was like, oh, we'll be good when we when we come off this bye. Now we got a pretty big questionnaire to deal with. Uh, Mike Garofolo adds that uh, Hertz did finish the game after the the shoulder injury and threw a 68 yard touchdown to AJ Brown. But like they, the Eagles don't have much to play for the rest of the way, which right. is pretty, you know, so they want him to be fully healthy, whatever. Um, pretty questionable stuff. I, I don't know. That's a, that's concerning for sure. Um, ah, man, that's tough. Well, I'll just say this last thing on the Treviso Babes thing, um, just to get this out of the way. Uh, there has been some controversy. I'm not fully clued in on the controversy yet. I, my mom has been traveling. We didn't get to, to chat this morning before the podcast, but the long and short of it is, uh, you know, I said that they're um, they were only a four team playoff uh, situation. They're now a six team playoff uh, situation, Andy. However, this means that they're playing in Week 18. So, <laughs> oh man. Wow. Uh, also, not exactly what you'd want if you had Jalen Hurts on a roster, Correct. right? Like the likelihood I'm, I'm of very, the Eagles. Yeah, I am very, I'm very concerned for my for my mother about this. Uh, I, I immediately thought about that uh, too. I was like, oh boy, she has Jalen Hurts. Like, there's no way Hurts is there's no way Hurts is playing in Week 18 against the Giants. Zero percent chance. But yep, 
now we might not even get him this week. I mean, that's tough. Oh, that's just brutal. Um, yeah, that's no way. Like, I don't know. P- I know that people have different opinions on this. And and Brandon Funston, uh, former colleague, used to just insee- he will bang the table for, you know, never leaving any meat on the bone in the NFL season. And we got to play it to the to the very end. Um but like for all the chaos that we get in a normal NFL week, I mean, it's just there's just so much more. It's like exponentially more in week 18 where so many of the league's best players are not going to be active for for perfectly valid reasons. Um, it is yep. it is no time to settle your your league's championship. That is that is horrifying news and particularly bad. Again, if you're tied to like that's just the thing, like you've you've clearly you've made the if if you have players from the team that shuts it down in the final week of the season, your process was awesome, right? Like you nailed it. Like you found the the right answer among NFL offenses coming into this season. And um, then you're just punished for it in, in what ends up being your league's most important week. That's no way to live. No, it's no way to live. But that means there's going to be some real goofballs played uh, in the Treviso Babes League uh, in week 18. So I can't wait to see. Hopefully, including my mother, will be still p- playing then. And, and it's got, I don't even know what she's going to do a quarterback at this point. At, at no Jalen Hurts. It's going to be tough, tough sledding there for Bev. We'll see how she's able to respond. That's going to do it for us today, Andy. A hell of a show. Hell of a show by you. I made uh, several mistakes, including. I'm an idiot. We did the whole thing about the waiver, uh, the waiver etiquette stuff and forgot to promote the two minute drill. Andy, tell people about the two minute drill and you're, where you're going to expand on this thing. Oh, yeah. We're going to be going over this a little bit in the two minute drill this week. Uh, and I think uh, no promises, but I think I'm going to put the judge wig on for this. I think I'll be fully in chambers for this show. For the people who are not initiated, the two minute drill is Andy's video series this year. You can check it out on Yahoo. You can check it out on on our social channels as well. Um, we don't do the best job uh, at cross promoting. Uh, I think as a, I'll say this as as Yahoo as an entity, we don't do a great job of cross promoting like articles, FFL, the podcast. It's, it's corpo term, Andy. Very very siloed. <laughs> but I'm the one. I'm the one that hosts the damn podcast. So if anybody should be able to to. To break down the walls, to to get out of our silos, I should be a better better podcast host about that. So there you go, two minute drill, people. Make sure to check it out. So if you are confused about any of this waiver wire etiquette stuff, that's where Andy is going to settle it. That's where the king of keeper leagues, the judge himself, is going to settle this bad boy for you. Oh, Harmon, you make the you make the ecosystem such a better place. That's what. I- <laughs> that's what i'm here for just let's make sure we keep it above the treetops all right that is going to do it for us you can follow andy on twitter at andy barons if you don't already i make sure that's where you're going to get the two minute drill so you better go follow him right now or or else you're going to have to deal with me you can follow me on twitter at matt Harmon underscore byb and while you're there for god's sakes follow at yahoo fantasy austin eckler ever heard of him we'll be back tomorrow to talk about the Chargers' exciting win over the tennessee titans and their upcoming run to the playoffs until then We're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? 
Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.